day job. Let's go. Look at me, Damien. The blackest day. Of the front time. As the Stinger says, this is Blade Job, episode 61. We've passed the 60s. We're getting started in the 60s. Eric Marshik, my man, my main squeeze, always virtually to my left or right. Which side are you on virtually? I'm going to say well, to your to your right. Well, okay, I've got two monitors, and you're usually on my left-hand monitor, so okay. I'm going to say you're on my left. But, yeah, I'm Steve Carley, as always. Today, Eric, what are we talking about today? First of all... First of all, this is the inaugural episode of my new apartment. Eh? You see yeah, that in the I background? Can see it. See that? I can see your couch is now <laughs> in the background instead of <laughs> your right. kitchen. <laughs> that's, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, nice new view for you. Yeah, uh, third floor, baby. Wow. Yeah, I never felt so high in my life. I yeah. love it. I can look down on people. Well, now you uh, have less chance of getting robbed. And that's exactly the good point. Also, I made sure I'm on the third floor, so I have to walk up two flights of, well, three flights of steps to get to my place now, which uh, I'll have a six-pack by June, I think, if I keep this up. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's probably a little bit more of a fire hazard, but other than that... It, yeah, but worst case, I can just jump off the balcony. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not like, yeah. you know, three floors up is not that high here, so... No, very true. Um, if I have to... Speaking of which, there was a fun story when I went to Grand Valley. I think my junior year or something or something happened um one of the freshmen were at a party and they had to jump out a window in order to obey the cops they had both like broke both their legs or wheelchairs the whole the whole year so oh i thought you're gonna say the, their whole life no well i guess i don't know <laughs> i mean i i think i was gone long after they hopefully recovered but yeah for some reason that was like big news like oh man if you see these certain these two girls in wheelchairs it's because they jumped out of a you know a ho- not a hotel like a apartment and broke their legs and I'm assuming they didn't get, I don't know, maybe they got an MIP or something, but. I'd hope not if, you know, I think I that the not. broken legs is a, is, is a. It's punishment enough, punishment right? Enough. I mean, it's like, if I was a cop, I'd be like, I'd look at them on the ground. I'd be like, you know what? It's this day's, you know, shitty enough for them. I don't yeah, need to, exactly. I mean, I, you know, they're going to be paying a lot of that for their our bullshit garbage medical, uh, medical industry in this country. So uh, yeah. anyway, uh, that's a fun story. Kind of Eric. <laughs> is what? that a Christmas story? Cause this is a Christmas <laughs> episode. <laughs> It was probably a Christmas miracle they didn't die, so I'll just say that, you know. Um, in terms of actual, well, somewhat actual Christmas movies, Eric, I, I, I've been asking you all episode already what we've been watching, then I keep talking, so I'm going to let you talk. What are we watching We, we are watching 1983 French-American uh, avant-garde slasher yeah. bloodbeat. It's overselling um, it a bit, but yeah. Yeah, this has taken us back kind of to the early days of, like, Night to Dismember, Abomination. I mean, this is, uh, th- this is, like, kind of what we started doing. This is... <laughs> kind of a backbone of this podcast yeah, or movies like, like this Yeah, like, a, a really bad movie that we're gonna give you the breakdown on. Um, For yeah, better but, or worse. Yeah. Um, before we do that, let's talk about some quick updates. I, as always, I mean, you know... Yeah, uh, you go first, because you have... It looks like I'm overshadowing you and which is usually the I case watch. especially when it comes to horror movies i mean yeah. I, you know i the only so um all year i've been anticipating like a lot of netflix original movies you know like i keep to date on a lot of that so i know the big slate of fall big netflix releases mm-hmm. um like mank that was one that i watched um i think that was before our or this that was before this recording so yeah um i, I talked about it, it was fine 
Okay. And then the two others that I, I know it's, but it's the theme here is that they're all somewhat underwhelming except for one, actually. So the two that I watched, I've been waiting for all year is the midnight sky, which came out mm. yesterday. That's the new, uh, George Clooney directed, uh, kind of space. Um, you kind of, it's kind of, I, I would call it like a, how the hell do you call it? It's Clooney's on, on the ground in the North, in the North pole, I guess, in the, you know, in the Arctic circle. Yeah. Um, kind of the last of his kind only because the world has gone to shit because of our own, you know, our own actions. And then he's trying to get in communication with a spaceship with a crew on it, including Felicity Jones, who I love. Okay. Um, and they're trying to get home. He's kind of like, well, this home sucks now. Sorry. Um, anyway, it was not as good as I was hoping. I mean, when the reviews came out, a lot of people were saying that it's just, like, not great. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, listen, I'm still excited for it. It's going to be great. It's fine. Um, I read the book that's based on. That's kind of why I was looking forward to it. The book's called Good Morning Midnight. And I read uh, that early last year. See, I, I, I saw Midnight out. Sky, and I thought it was the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, October Sky. October Sky? And no. I was like, oh, you just, Much okay. Darker. That's no, quite a departure, no. but okay. If anything, see it for um, George Clooney's beard is very good. Oh, okay. God. Like, even, like, no matter what he looks like, he's just the handsomest goddamn guy. Anyway, so I saw that finally yesterday. It's fine. It's worth a watch because it looks incredible, like, visually. A lot of great space and all that. Um, then the other one I watched is called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, mm-hmm. which is um, based off an August Wilson play. August Wilson, the late August Wilson, is a playwright. He also wrote uh, Fences. With a head oh, head okay. Head, uh, yeah. yeah, that was my favorite movie. If I think that was 2016. God, I love that movie so much. Denzel. Denzel, you yeah, got it. Got yep. It. Denzel and Viola Davis, who is back in this one. She is Ma Rainey. A, uh, she is a um, kind of like a blues a blues singer in 1927, and she's got a little merry crew of guys and of, you know her band members. You know her backup band, I guess you could say. She's the kind of the uh, you know the the face of it. Mm-hmm. One of them includes Chadwick Boseman. This is his final movie role. Oh, okay. And he is incredible in it, and it just fucking pisses me off. I mean, like a lot of people, it just pisses me off. You know that it's like he's dead. So it's like, okay, cool. We get this great performance from him, and it's the last one. Yeah. Um, he plays a horn player trying to go his own way um so the fact that this is based off a play a lot of people are kind of like it's like an hour and a half it's very short it's a lot of talking takes place in two rooms essentially Mm. um you know and a lot of people you know i love the kind of like play movies you could say adaptations where it's all you know all the action is in dialogue right Mm -hmm. and uh 12 angry men Exactly, gotcha, exactly. Gotcha. That kind of thing. That kind of it's like a bottle episode of a TV series, but you know, it's like a bottle movie. But um, I thought it was very good. I like that kind of thing. That movie's kind of made for someone like me, especially with the idea of like 1927 recording studio technology, which is really cool. So um, I highly recommend that one, but it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people who want a lot of plot in their yeah. movies, this one does not have that at all. Well, but man, they'd also probably like the movie we're covering today if they don't like plot. So, or understanding what the hell's happening. So yeah. you know, maybe double feature Ma Rainey's Black Bottom <laughs> with Bloodbeat. Well, the funny thing is they're both like an hour and a half tops, oh, right? Nice. So it's like it's like it's just a short day. I and I've said it a million times this podcast, but I'll say it again. I like a long movie, but I love a short movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that was out on the 18th, so a day before my birthday. I'm now 30 years old in this goddamn yeah. podcast. So uh, I got to get used to that. I guess I probably never will. Yeah. So well, that's all. I've... I'll be there in a couple of years. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll it'll come up you. quick, buddy. It'll come up quick before you realize it. It's like, oh shit, I'm be turning thirty. 
Um, anyway, so that's really, I mean, that's pretty much what I've been watching. I mean, not a whole lot of horror. You know, I like to, you know, when it comes to, like, October, I'll watch the horror stuff, mm-hmm. but I really haven't watched much recently. But although, there's a movie, uh, do you remember, remember the, um, the Strangers? Yeah. Oh, wait. That director, Brian Bertino, he has a new movie out that's apparently very good called, uh, The Dark and the Wicked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that's on Shudder, I believe, now, finally. So I'm, really, oh. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I hear it's great. I love, I love The Stranger. It's one of my favorite horror movies. Um, so I do want to catch that very soon. And then there's actually a couple of, like, Shudder originals that have come out within the past month that are mm-hmm. supposed to be very good. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to check a lot of those out. So. There's some Western one that I've, it got a big release on Shudder. I don't know how it is. Um, I know it's kind of like a Western horror. Mm. Um, Which we need more of. I like that kind yeah. of idea. And then, this isn't a Shudder release, but it's been getting really good reviews. It was on Netflix. It's called Nobody Sleep Alone in the Woods. What is it called? How have I never heard of that? Um, it's a Polish movie. and It's like a Ooh, Polish yeah, slasher. Okay. It's called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. Um, huh. And it's a Polish slasher that, I guess Poland's film scene is not the biggest, so it's kind of like a people are saying like the really the first big budget horror movie that's come out of there in a long time so Hmm. um yeah and you can watch it i believe now it actually might have come out around halloween and um yeah i'm and also i believe there's like probably a shitty dubbed version which netflix has been doing all these dubbed things lately i don't know if you've noticed with like that show dark and i stick well yeah like um, for someone like dark you need it but like if, if a movie I like yeah. to watch a movie with the subtitles in the original. So language, yeah, of course, so you can watch am. this too. But so yeah, I would check that out if you're looking for a newer horror that's on Netflix. But um, also yeah. real quick, um, The Vast of Night is on Shutter too. That's a new. That's one of the okay. ones I mentioned. That's apparently very um, you know, very good. I'm excited to watch that one too. Yeah, I've been kind of living on Shutter. I've been doing. I've been cranking through a lot of Giallo. I think last time I had only watched a couple, but. Um, I've kind of just been like putting these on like every night while I'm just doing stuff. And I've, I've watched quite a few that cause shutter put a ton out. So, um, I would say like out of, I've watched a bunch, but out of the, all of them that I watched, I would recommend, um, what have you done to Solange? It's very what good. Have you done to Solange? Very good. Like more mystery police procedural kind of, um, um, Giallo, uh, very good, very like interesting twist. Um, and then I think the other one I would recommend was Night Short Night of Glass Dolls, which is kind of almost like a Giallo Twilight Zone. Um, it it begins it, it begins like um if you've ever seen uh oh, what's the movie I'm uh, I'm describe it. It's the movie where the 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 main character dies like right away. He pretty much explains how he dies. Um, oh, American Beauty nailed it. No, it's not what I'm thinking of. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's something like that where it's like the character is like uh, like dead and it goes backwards from there. So it's 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 pretty cool. Um, and then yeah, I, I watched a couple others, but those were the two that really stuck out, and I had never even heard of them. So. Um, I've never heard of those either. Oh, speaking of uh, American Beauty and horror movies, uh, it's an, it's Christmas Eve, so about an hour ago as of this recording, Kevin Spacey put out another video. What does that mean? I don't uh, know what that means. You, you haven't been part of that? Every every Christmas Eve the past, like, three years, he'll post some weird YouTube video of him with, like, a weird message. I thought Kevin Spacey uh, died. 
No, he was just super canceled. He might oh, as well be dead. his career died. Yeah, his okay. career died. I um, guess I thought he killed himself, but maybe I... Well, it's funny you mention that, because this one, again, we're recording at 2.30 p.m., like, I think an hour and a half ago he posted it. Um, it's weird. It's like, because normally he just, like, kind of impersonates his character in House of Cards. Okay. Frank Underwood. And he just, like, talks about, like, ah, oh, yeah, happy to see me, or some weird shit that no sane person would ever do. Mm-hmm. But this one is, like, him breaking character and talking about like he's like he's in a park somewhere just like walking around and he's talking about how like national suicide awareness and like how if you're, a lot of people want to kill themselves don't do it it gets better mm-hmm. which is weird for, it's just weird it's a weird I guess that's nice thing. but yeah that is <laughs> morbid is. i mean it's a little uh, i mean i guess that's a good thing to do before christmas but yeah it's a little it's a little morbid it's just like it's very morbid coming from him who has He's like, it gets better, I promise. And I'm okay. like, what? I'm like, to them, I mean, to you, it's like, <laughs> You're it's very yeah. interesting. <laughs> it is, that is very um, bizarre. So I, every Christmas Eve, he seems to post his weird goddamn videos. And, I was uh, not aware of so that. Different. I was not aware he yeah. was alive, um, to be yeah. honest. So. <laughs> I mean, no one remembers <laughs> that he's alive until Christmas Eve every year. That, that, that's when he comes back, gets yeah. a bunch of YouTube views and trends on Twitter. Okay, And good. then recedes back into the shadows. So Yeah, okay. Well... Uh, speaking of Christmas movies and Christmas things, I've uh, <laughs> I have been watching kind of some like alternative Christmas movies, which I'm gonna I'm gonna consider Bloodbeat an alternative Christmas movie because it's just okay, you know it's it's Christmas time, it but is Christmas it's time, not necessarily yeah. super important to the plot. So um, I, I watched Batman Returns. I'm pretty sure I've talked about that on past episodes. Uh, Tim Burton, uh, it's the second Batman movie from the '80s. It's great. Uh, you know, it takes place during Christmas. It's got, um, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, Danny DeVito is Penguin. You got a pretty bizarre Christopher Walken character. It's highly recommended if you just want some like batshit Christmas fun. Um, Trancers, which is a little bit of a more of like an under, underground little cult gem of, it's kind of like a sci-fi action movie that also takes place during Christmas time. Um, there's a part with like a zombie Santa that's kind of fun, and then third I've watched uh, Invasion USA, which is just a uh, Chuck Norris action movie. I'm not gonna say it's like trying to be like Die Hard because I think it actually came out before Die Hard, but it's just like a terrorist attack on Christmas. But it's more like ter- like a like a Pearl Harbor on Christmas, so it's like a whole invasion of on Christmas and Chuck Norris, a lot of bazooka action, so. Um, check any of those out if you want some alt Christmas fun and something that you haven't maybe seen uh, in a long time. Uh, I also watched the Joe Bob Christmas special, which showed Dial Code Santa Claus, which I had never seen. It's kind of a, um, I think it was a Swedish or German. Uh, it's kind of like Home Alone, but much bloodier, much darker. Um, like prior to Home Alone, actually, too, is like actually a mid '80s film. And then Christmas Evil, which I had never seen, and I really ended up loving, which I, I've always heard of. Um, never actually got around to seeing it until this year, but um, that's about a movie. That's a movie about a guy who's obsessed with Santa Claus and then kind of goes around and, like, actually kills, like, he's kind of, like, a very sympathetic character. He goes around and kills people who are kind of uh, being shitty on Christmas. So it's it's kind of a weirdly happy movie, and it has a very surreal ending. It's It's pretty fun. So, um, yeah, 
in the Joe Bob Christmas special was really great. I think I saw like they were doing some charity auctions during it, and they raised like forty five thousand dollars for a couple charities. Nice. So yeah, Shutter's been you know keeping me entertained all all winter with all the Giallo and the Joe Bob and stuff. So. Yeah, it's been a... Well, it's also been keeping this podcast going, too, yeah, which is great. <laughs> because Bloodbeat is streaming on there right yeah, now. And um, if you don't have Shutter, it is streaming on Amazon Prime, which, um, you know, if you want to give to the the Beast, you can watch those it Those two streaming services, I feel like, have really helped us the most with yeah. this podcast. Amazon Prime and Shutter. Yeah. I know Shutter just raised their prices for us, but like I don't even care. Like it's just nice. We got a lot of good stuff. Plus, I want to watch all the the stuff I mentioned, like you know, the Vast of Night and that kind of thing. So yeah, and one other, the one thing too, I think that's still on Shutter is that Eli Roth History of Horror. Oh yeah, that's I watched one episode kind of like while I was at work, and mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna go back and restart that because that was it was super interesting. It, it kind of picks up on like a like um like a shot, not a. Not necessarily like a genre, but like I watched one that was just about like history of like witches in movies. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of goes. On, yeah. Did it touch on Hexen? Yeah, it started kind of with that, and then it. Oh. I, I, I kind of tuned out a little. I think it touched on like Snow White. That was hmm. you know, it, like it touches on not necessarily all horror, but it just touches on kind of like the idea of yeah, these things, right? Like okay. a horror plot point throughout the history of film. So. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll I'll try and watch that maybe over the break because it was super interesting and he did a really good job like interviewing and yeah it was super good so hopefully I'll have some more updates on that so um yeah but that's on Shutter as well but like we said so is Bloodbeat and that is <laughs> how do we want to start this Steve. <sighs> That's a great question, man. I feel like a lot of these discussions begin with me just exhaling. <sighs> like, yeah. Um. So, okay. This is the first, really, and only movie from writer director Fabrice. Now I'm probably gonna get this wrong. Uh-huh. Fabrice Anga Zafiratos. Zafiratos. That's close. Which, which almost sounds like Greek rather than French, but yeah. Hey, it's just, like, for all I know, it may be like Fabrice. Fabrice Anga Zafiratos, but. Yeah. I don't think um, this is his only film. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, now, I'm reading some notes that you wrote down here. And it explains a lot <laughs> of what this okay. movie is that I did not know. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I'll read the IMDb plot synopsis first just to get that out of the way. Whoops. There we go. So, a woman who lives in deer hunting country in rural Wisconsin is possessed by the spirit of a Japanese samurai warrior. Right off the bat, I'm going to say this. That log line, pretty sweet. The movie, not as good. Yeah, and that is uh, maybe like a scene in the movie. <laughs> Perhaps well, that's the ending. I mean, yeah, yeah it's. Um, I mean, what? What? How we get there is the real journey, because <laughs> I guess, yeah. This is this is um, this movie is the definition of it's not about the destination; it's about the journey. Because that's the destination is a woman getting possessed by a su- samurai suit of armor. But how we get there, it, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But there's dead people and there's swords being pulled, like slashed, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a mind trip of a movie. Yeah, I, it depends on what you mean by mind trip. I mean, I, I, I'll just come out around and say. So okay, so here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll remember because this happened. You were part of it. I was uh, watching this for our just to you know to discuss this about I don't know three hours ago. 
And I was actually watching the one that we're going to talk about next next time. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, you jumped ahead a movie. And I, I you were telling me ahead. pod points, and I'm like, I don't think that's this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I realized that I was about maybe 20 minutes in, and um, I really wish we were just talking about that because uh, the movie we're going to talk about next time is much better than this one. Yes. Um, and even from that 20 minutes that I watched, I was like, okay, I'm into this. So – I was not a big fan of this one. Um, I feel like it's been a while since I was like outright just not into a movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like audition bad because nothing on earth is. No. I'm going to say it's not even Night to Dismember bad. No. Night to Dismember was bad. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say so, it's not Microwave Massacre bad. Ah, uh, man. This is Microwave kind of in that Massacre weird might... spot. Like, I put this like in the strange behavior dead kids category where it's yeah. like – Microwave Massacre may actually be worse than Audition. That movie was really yeah. I, I think you we actually, even call that a movie. I, yeah, I think we did actually. That was the one time we actually said it was something was worse than Audition was Microwave Massacre. I mean, don't get me wrong. Audition's a terrible, terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Microwave Massacre is like an agony, agonizing experience. It's like if you if, if you get COVID tested and they have to get all the way back in those sinuses. Yeah, I would much prefer to have that inside of me for like two hours and watch any minute of of you know Microwave Massacre. Did you know that there are people who get off at the the feeling of being lobotomized by the by the Q tip? Mm. I didn't know that, family. but that doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, there's I, I guess I didn't think about that, but yeah, I, I, everything's kind of a fetish at this point in world history. I feel like. I mean, if that's a fetish, I mean, there are worse. Like, you know, that's kind of a win-win because like it means you could test it a lot, yeah. which is great. So, but I mean, I, I'm, all... I'm sure they wouldn't want you to like just start like jerking off while they were doing that. Well, you just kind of keep it to yourself, you know, oh. or you just learn how to do it yourself, but or date like a like a nurse, you know, who can like administer it for you. But I feel like if you do it yourself, you're it, that's that's like. Like sex sent me to the ER, waiting to happen is like yeah, you know. And now well, takes, now you've like lobotomized yourself partially from. If you sneeze, it's over for you. It's, you know, if you sneeze, your body becomes like a Cronenbergian, you know, Fulci uh, nightmare. It's like if you're driving, how you cl- you can't really sneeze without without closing your eyes. Like yeah. If I sneeze in the car, I'm driving. I'm like, boy, I dodged a bullet. <laughs> Um, that's dangerous, man. It's spooky. So anyway, um, so yeah, fetishes. That's what we're talking about today. Nah, we'll talk about blood beat. Although I'd rather talk about the fetishes if I'm honest. But... <laughs> well, there's a, there's a lot of sex in this movie. I guess. Well, well, I mean, I'll tell I... you. I'll tell you what, though. The first 20 minutes I watched of our next movie, there was more sex. In well, that, yeah. So. The next movie. I mean, I'm not gonna spoil too much, but I'll just say it's Italian, folks. So, <laughs> Big, yeah, um, which could, really could you, be you could fill in the blanks on what's going on in it. I um, saw a lot of Steve's cuties in that one in the first twenty minutes I watched. So, all right, sorry about that. Uh, this fucking battery pack on this thing—it really doesn't last that long. <laughs> but yeah, we're covering an Italian movie next week, and, uh, and I'm sorry, next episode and next year for christ's sake oh man so, this year i think i might have mentioned it last time but despite everything that happened this year i feel like it went by pretty quick i know next yeah, really I, I know life isn't gonna become like amazing on january 1st of 2021 but no. um, assuming that these vaccines go well and life somewhat gets back to normal there's gonna be a shit ton of great movies because they all got pushed out of this year thrown yeah. in next year uh you know we're gonna see how that works so um, yeah we'll see but um yeah but yeah we're uh I think that you know some of this, some of the fuckery in this movie, Steve. I'm, I'm looking at the notes here. Mm. Um, what if I told you that 
most of this movie was written under the influence of drugs. Um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked. That sounds like kind of like a Stephen King thing, but like not as successful. What if I told you most of it was filmed while on drugs? <laughs> Yeah, that also doesn't shock me. Because some of the effects they use, and I'm going to use that term. Yeah. I'm going to put air quotes over the term effects. Yeah, but... yeah we'll get into the effects a little bit later. Uh, uh, there's something about them. Uh, yeah, um, But yeah, the, the the title of the movie, Blood Beat, uh, Zephyrados actually says that Blood Beat, he was re- referencing the accelerated heartbeat he experienced while high while making this film so i, I would like to know um, what drugs they were talking about you know yeah it's i'm kind of assume i'm I, I would think if his heart rate would be up i'm, I'm kind of thinking cocaine i think it's got to be a mixture of like cocaine and some sort of hallucinogen you know what i'm saying like yeah that could be it. i mean because here's, here's the doesn't thing. seem like it would go good together well, but... well that's why you make a shitty movie afterward um <laughs> here's the thing like as i know we talk about the you know the good the bad the what the fuck and i've got like so the idea of like a ghost samurai, amazing. Like I'm into that, right? Oh yeah. Um, having just played, you know, having played uh, Ghost of Tsushima on the PS4 this year, um, I'm I'm into the whole samurai thing. You know, I got a lot of that in the mind. Mm-hmm. So I hear ghost samurai, and I'm like, you know, a spirit samurai. I'm like, fucking absolutely. Um, I would yeah. put that in the good section, of course. But when you hear ghost samurai in rural wisconsin where does your brain go uh, it's a new thought you know it's like a, a literally a new thought in my head so i have to toss that aside i don't know i mean because uh, it's tough it's tough because like i love the idea of the samurai and the, the samurai looked cool um i just it didn't it wasn't executed very well probably because it was put in this movie if it wasn't like any other better movie it would be amazing but yeah so I mean, yeah, the the way I kind of look at this movie is, like, it's, like, one part slasher. It's kind of one part poltergeist. It's kind of one part, like, weird telepathic family drama. And then it's kind of one part, like, primitive 80s special effects acid trip. I We'll get into the special effects, but I don't even know what those are called. I mean, it's like almost like Tron, like animated computer effects in the film. It's very bizarre, but um, yeah, that's uh, I would like if that to, sounds appealing to you. <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, I'm, I would like to know the um the actual budget for this because this is like. It's not quite the abomination low budget because that was like four dollars. Yeah. I think that was a couple of pennies, like Coinstar. Um, but this, I mean, just the effects they use, like it. Rem- what does it remind me of? It reminds me of. It's not like Back to the Future where it's like in retrospect that that those effects are awful, but at the yeah. time they were great. This is just like it reminds me of a movie that I saw at the UICA, the Urban Institute of Contemporary Arts in Grand Rapids, when I used to live there, called um, House. You know how? Yeah, it does have kind of the same effects as House, the Japanese uh, House. How, how do you pronounce? How do you? It's House, the Jap, nineteen seventy-seven Japanese horror fantasy comedy. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it's almost Hausu, Hausu, Hausu which is Hausu. I mean, it really is like the exact same kind of effects. Only in, in yeah. House, they're uh, done properly, and here they're not. I mean, they try. Yeah. I mean, these are these are the same effects that like even if you've watched movies like hellraiser they use these type of effects at times and it's like very subtle it's more subtle where these are not necessarily super subtle um you know these are similar effects to like 
Um, like if you've seen any like of the really bad like um, like early '80s kind of like Star Wars ripoff movies, like Star Crash or Battle Beyond the Stars, like it's that type of. I guess they're computer. Like I guess it's CGI, but it's you know it's so primitive that it's like. They're literally, I'm assuming, actually taking the film reel. I mean, they were in this case because this was actually shot on 35mm film. And they're, like, actually, like, digitally, like, printing effects onto each uh, reel, from what I understand. I mean, I'm not a, I, I, I'm not an expert on this type of uh, special effect. But it's like, it's, a, it's like a weird mix of analog film with computer art. If that makes is that that's probably the best way I can describe it, just on audio form. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's um, good enough for sure. But uh, but yeah, the the special effects, I kind of put them in the what the fuck. But let's get into some other parts of the good. I mean, you said you liked the idea of the ghost samurai. Mm-hmm. Um, I I liked it, but um, you know, when. They, if they had a little bit better explanation, I probably would have liked it a lot more. Or any sort of explanation. As far as I'm yes. aware, there's not really any explanation. <laughs> and after we get through all these, I'm gonna we can try and uh, I, I'm gonna try and figure out the best way to. I, I have a theory about the movie, uh, about how we got to where we were with the samurai in rural, uh, you know, Sheboygan, or wherever the hell they are. Sheboygan. But <laughs> isn't there a Sheboygan, Wisconsin, as well? I know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I liked right off the bat is that there's this, uh, there is like this really kind of interesting, like synth score Mm -hmm. throughout the movie at times. It's very like dark and minimal and it's got like a lot of like industrial, like clanking, which again, makes no sense for rural Wisconsin or samurai movie, but it is kind of cool. Um, and it's immediately like the opening credits have this like clanky synth, almost like a almost like Terminator music. <laughs> I'll be honest, um, I barely even noticed it. You know, uh, it's only and it's weird too because I'm gonna kind of jump around here between the good and the bad because also with the bad is that there's the other music that is throughout the movie is like public domain classical music that I did notice. Funny so, enough, so. It's like for the for the five minutes of like cool industrial synth music we get, we get like another like just like forty minutes of like public domain classical, which really doesn't fit ever at all. Agreed. Um, um we should explain the kind of the plot here because really all I can okay. gather, and I I say gather because we don't fucking know. Um, there's a woman. I I don't remember what her uh, is. She the she's the mom, of course. The mother, the mother. Kathy. This, it's a family uh, in the woods, cabin in the woods. Um, yeah, it's Christmas time. We should mention it is Christmas time during this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but there's lights, there's a tree, and they're coming home for Christmas. So I'm assuming it's Christmas Eve. Right. Um. So from what I gather, this mother seems to have some sort of sexual connection to this ghost uh samurai mm-hmm. to the point where because she has powers of some sort yes. um and do you see her use it in the movie um yeah. how she got it i could not tell you um but she seems to have this kind of connection where 
the killings, or at least the the physical act of co- committing murder from this creature to her mm-hmm. orgasms. She gets sexual gratification yeah. from this. Uh, well, no, that's the that's the girlfriend. But I think the mother's the same. Okay. You're right. You may be right. Okay. The, the mother's the old lady painting. Yeah, because she has paintings, and that kind of connects to yeah. the killing slash the ghost yeah. samurai. The ghost samurai. No, ghost samurai's better. Yeah. Because um, she's telepathic, and then this new girlfriend is also somehow telepathic. That's right, because um, when they first um, go into the house, the guy, one of the sons, introduced, you know, she brings with him a girlfriend, and right off the bat, there's a kind of dissonance between mm-hmm. them. They, they, clearly something supernatural is, you know, yeah. uh, is um, not liking, you know, them together, right? They both kind of understand right. that immediately. So... Right off the bat, you know that there's, you know, that it's not good. Um, and I guess that's kind of what their connection is. I, I mean, do we know what? Uh, this movie does not do a good job of explaining no, anything. it's like they're both telepathic and the mother can sense it. And then I kind of get the uh, impression that Sarah, the, the girlfriend who's also telepathic, is like kind of like a Carrie situation. Like she's not aware that she's telepathic mm-hmm. in, until... Uh, so yeah i don't really know Um, i'm interested in hearing this theory you have because otherwise i'm like why where does the samurai come in i mean it looks cool again i love that armor i feel like i just lived that life in tsushima which is awesome my game of the year by the way so i just don't know what i I mean you know some of the times these movies just have like you know big exposition bursts where they're just like Mm -hmm. oh this is what's happened this is why I mean, normally I would say that sucks, but I would I, I yeah. would at least have liked to have had one of those here. See, pretty much it's like this guy comes home with his sister and his girlfriend for Christmas to his mom and her new boyfriend. The mom is seemingly telepathic. The girlfriend is seemingly unknowingly telepathic. And somehow the two of them together awaken some sort of presence that's in the woods that is in the form of a samurai um and that's pretty much all all you need to know because that's they don't really explain how any of this happens <laughs> do all woods have a samurai ghost in it i don't know but um i will say i did like some of the um you know i i did think that i mean obviously the acting is very bad oh boy it's um, bad you know, I, I know that I, – I believe I read somewhere in one of the articles I read about this that the mother, Kathy, who was, like, literally one of the most important main characters, um, was not a trained actor, actress. Right, it's her only, um, only role, like Falconetti. Yeah, so she's she's not a she's not a trained actress. I don't think um, – I would say maybe only half of these people were trained actress and actresses, and uh, even there, this, this is a – very very early role for probably all of them and actually you know i think i saw that nobody else really from this movie did anything else. no so, well including so, the director right a director you know he just wrote directed this movie and then fucked off you yeah know, I, but steve tell me okay because you you you're the one with the eye for this so maybe i'm completely off base but was some of the cinematography and some of the like panning and stuff especially some of the wood scenes like um a little bit better than 
the movie deserves to be at times. I'm glad you asked. No, I don't believe it is. Oh, <laughs> I guess the beginning uh, scene with the guy hunting, I thought was just nice. I guess Where, I remember that very little. But, um, I mean, I but just, that's the only thing. And there's some other parts that I thought were, were, were okay. Um, listen because you know it didn't completely fall into abomination level wow that was being on like a yeah that was boy that i don't think i've ever seen a movie that's like as poorly made as the abomination still it's really true to the name even after all this time um listen i you know i majored in filmmaking in college i'm an idiot i i i did the shoots out in the woods you know i've done all that stuff Uh and this just reminded me of that i mean you know it just reminded me of the shitty work that i used to do out in the woods with a bunch of film majors um so i don't necessarily think though i i know that you and uh, and i are a fan of the costume design in this movie he was also i i did yeah you can tell this is low budget because a lot of the roles and jobs on the production are like they wear many hats like when i saw that doubled tripled even yeah i believe the director wrote directed produced and did the score yeah um like the production designer was also the costume designer and my first thought was like damn i thought production designer is hard enough as it is but when you're out in the woods you don't really need to do much so um and they're probably shooting on location just at somebody's like literal role exactly yeah and they're just like that'll do yeah i mean hey you gotta you know you gotta save the coin when you can but yeah the fashion like i know like you have the notes 80s backwards fashion is incredible which i agree with um there's actually one part where uh, the dad i believe is um yeah well no well yeah the dad not the husband because they're not married right uh no it's yeah just gary the boyfriend thought who was the woman with the beard i mean there's no i'm talking about the older one um oh the guy the neighbor who gets killed in the no doorway. it's it's uh her the the, the mother's boyfriend right because they're not married oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're not yeah. she she wants to get married no, they're not married. she doesn't she's just like i don't and i why doesn't say but hey i guess you don't need to know so that's part of my theory in the end okay but... we'll get there um yeah we'll get there's there. one point where he because this is after they fight after he's like you know they kind of talk about how he wants to get married she's like no i don't want to do this again uh, fair enough i yeah. guess i don't know um and then he leaves and i'm thinking to myself damn like this guy looks like the embodiment of like early 80s because on this podcast we talk a lot about the kind of of um the remnants of one decade's fashion bleeding into the other and this is mm-hmm. definitely like very late 70s early 80s kind of backwoods you know the nice shirt the yeah. pants and i thought man this i wish we could bring that back i remember thinking about that yeah, and I'm gonna jump down to the uh, what the fuck that I had in here real quick too, which is um, uh, Sally, the the sister of uh, Ted, and uh, at one point in the movie they go hunting, and it all goes a wire, but um, she comes back and they're playing Monopoly. And this girl is not wearing pants for the rest of the movie. I don't know if you picked. I, I figured you would pick up on this, Steve, and maybe you did. Vaguely, I vaguely. Picked she's up she's on literally it. wearing no pants and just like like full length leg warmers. I feel like that was the entire common. movie. That was common in the eighties. It had to have been, you know. Yeah, I guess I didn't. That, that was an interesting uh, fashion choice. I thought, and then, but yeah, just a lot of big puffy flannels uh trucker hats. Yeah, you and I are into that kind uh, of. You know, I like the nice yeah. shirts and pants they wear. Um. Looked warm, you know. I mean, this is the guy yeah, who I warm. always wear goddamn tank tops and, sh- and gym shorts. What the hell do I know? But I mean, we're Midwestern boys, so true. this movie, you know, I think this is a pretty accurate portrayal of Midwestern home decor and fashion 
for 1982. I've never actually been to Wisconsin, even though it's like right over there. It's like right over there, okay. you know. I just yeah, yeah, you got to go over the lake though. Yeah, it's just odd though. Like I've been to Chicago and all that, but like never went higher yeah. up. But hey, um, well, I know Wisconsin likes to apparently claim they they claim that they own the uh, Lake Michigan, which is bullshit. And, I disagree. Uh, that's, so. a, that's a weird claim. Well, like, yeah. I remember I went, a uh, friend of the show, Devin Green, and I went to uh, Toledo, not Toledo, um, Cleveland a while back, a couple years ago. And, like, everything there is all the Great Lakes State, the city of Great Lakes. And I'm thinking, who, uh-huh. who do you think you are exactly? Wait a minute. Because yeah. they touch Lake Erie. Yeah. And, that's and it's it? like, you're like, oh, it's you the know? Great Lakes, the city of the Great Lakes. I'm like, bro. Uh, good ice mm. cream, though, so I can't, I can't. Yeah. that much but yeah um speaking of 70s slash 80s well waterbeds i don't was that an 80s thing i know i don't the know but the waterbed that that was maybe one of the scariest parts of the movie when she they're sitting on this waterbed uh this is like at one point then it goes over to the neighbor's house and they're sitting on the waterbed and they bring the dog on, which i always thought pets on the waterbed was a no-no because they got the nails recipe for disaster and then she puts a tray of drinks on the waterbed. And the thing is just sloshing around like Yeah. Are you trying to just spill stuff all over your bed? I that that part was that was maybe the most animated I got watching this movie was when she put the tea tray on the waterbed and there was just clanking glasses and they were like getting moving around. So. My aunt used to have a waterbed way back in the day, and I would try it out, lay on it, and I would, it, yeah, it feels like you're like on the ocean with all the waves and everything. Um, I would not want to put, I wouldn't want to put myself on a waterbed anymore. No. I mean, good lord, thinking back, I it's see, like, I how f- did that work? I feel like they were more prevalent. Um, I don't know. I mean, all I know is that every time I've signed a rental lease, there's always like a explicit written clause that you can't have water. Beds. You're right. So I'm assuming they were more prevalent at one time. What the hell happened to make them so, you know, not desired by apartments? They, cause they explode. Yeah. No, I shit. guess you could pop it. And then you have like, you know, literally like a hundred gallon, well, probably not a hundred gallons, but like, you know. 30 gallons of water just pouring into the lower unit below you. Why did those, why did they ever take off? Like what the, just because the feeling know. of sloshing around, like, I mean, I like the more you think of a waterbed, the idea of it, the more ridiculous it gets. And I'm sure it was ridiculous at the time too, but it's like a pet rock. Yeah. It's like, what the hell, man? People do anything to try to find fun on anything, I guess. But I wonder if they were really cheap. I mean, as long as you, you probably said to pay for the water. <laughs> I don't even know. How you'd, I mean, you just pump the, yeah. Like the water, you just pump out of your sink or hose so yeah i wonder if they were just really inexpensive and kind of comfy i don't know if you were like really rich could you fill it up with like with like kettle one and just kind of take a sip every now and then that'd be wild but you know it's the things rich people do you know watch this movie and tell us about your idea of waterbeds tell us if your heart stopped when she put the tray of drinks on the waterbed well because um, he lays in the comments he's lying on the bed and the whole thing is just sloshing around and yeah and then she puts the tray down and i remember that too i'm thinking like what are you doing lady i mean i'm not even a big fan of breakfast in bed in general like even just like a like a solid bed with like drinks mm-hmm. in the bed like that that would make me nervous i mean i'll take like a mimosa in bed but yeah i'm not trying to like get crumbs and such in my bed you know yeah so I don't know. Anyways, I, I've kind of forgot where we were. Oh, we're talking about the backwoods fashion and stuff. But, um, yeah, just a nice little time capsule of rural America in the early 80s. I have a question for you, Eric. What the hell was up with the World War II flashbacks? 
So I know that I sentence think... even sounds weird for this, and it comes out of nowhere, but like the <laughs> World War II flashbacks that come out of goddamn nowhere in this movie. So I think the flashbacks are kind of like the them trying to explain the samurai storyline. Like where he came from? Yeah. Which I think he just, like... Right? Uh, I, I'll get into I'll get into that when I explain my fan theory. Son of a bitch. I'm so excited for this fan theory. Yeah, it's pretty in-depth. I'm using uh, knowledge gained from my own girlfriend who lived in rural America, grew up in rural America. I'm using, um, you know, just some context clues throughout the film. You know, I, we'll get into it. Okay. But how about we get into the... the the, the few kills that are in this movie. Not, a, not um, enough kills, for sure. And I'll, Not enough kills at see, all. See, part of the problem with this movie, for me, is that I spoil myself because of how how much the next movie we're going to cover just dives right in. Um, so if this movie had, like, um, like, uh, like, Fulci-esque or, like, Savini-level kills, would you have liked it more? Oh, like for sure. Just like, like, if all these kills were just, like, blood rage level 100 percent. yeah i mean the kills are fine but like there's nothing like the last movie we covered and all then um i You're right. we'll get into it right now but i just you know i was not impressed with the kills so and the blood effects i know we've discussed the whole um there's different kinds of you know blood effects in these movies and this is the yeah. lowest primitive low budget kind i think i've seen in a long time so yeah we can say right off the bat i mean the kills in this movie are pretty much all done like off camera um, they're pretty much all like really thick, uh, syrupy, fake blood mm-hmm. on all of them. And you're pretty much just like seeing the samurai come swing a sword. And then you're seeing kind of like the aftermath of like a slit throat or like a stab wound. So try and visualize all of that as we go through these. But, um, and we're not going to get super into why people are getting killed because, like we said, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> um, the first kill, we don't even really know why. It's the random guy in the woods when they go hunting for deer, and he just stumbles upon the group with, like, his guts hanging out of his stomach, and they're not even really good guts hanging out. And so. why, we don't know. Why? Where did he come from? Yeah. Where did he go? We don't yeah, know. And I think at one point they don't even, like, they just say, like, who is that guy? And well, they don't. They say that because the cops, because of course they call the cops, you know, because there's a dude who's, like, die, bleeding out and dying. And it was just funny because the cops are like, you know this guy at all? And they're like, I've never seen that guy in my life. And then at, at some point after a little back and mm-hmm. forth, the, the, I don't like the uh, the paramedic is like, all right, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to chalk this up to a, a hunting accident. And I'm like, damn, y'all are really just gonna let this guy go i mean this guy's like oh i wasn't the officer i've never seen this before in my life and even if he's 100 percent truthful it's like the cops like all right well you know it's the it's early 80s we're all wearing flannel or you know sounds like a plan but even i was like damn dude this guy you don't know if he's lying or not yeah no that's pretty much it like it's uh you, you yeah this guy is just like dead um, they, the people, the hunters, which is like the, the main characters, Ted and Gary and, um, Sally and all of them. Ooh, very good. They're, uh, they're, they're all looking, they, they don't know this guy. So he just dies. Um, then we go for like a painfully long amount of time without another kill. Um, and it ends up being this character who's briefly introduced, He's the uncle to the um, uh, mother, uncle Pete. Pete. 
and he yeah. gets his throat slashed again off camera. That's my aftermath. favorite kill. Was, We're starting to like see though slash. little hints that it's a samurai. Oh, no. So this is where like if you had no idea what this movie was about, like you're starting to just see like bodies pile up, and you're like, oh man, like it's a slasher movie. And then um, the next kill is that when we go cut to the neighbor's house with the waterbed, and she <laughs> gets stabbed in the kitchen, and this is where we start to see full like. Japanese armor, like samurai regalia. It looks so cool. Like and, it looks uh, cool. Now it's kind of like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's glowing. It has this like kind of like that, like we were talking about, like this CGI glowing effect on everything. And like whatever you're um, picturing in your head is way more primitive than that, right? Like it is. It's yes. way more primitive looking than that. It looks like hand tinted coloring. It looks awful, but the the design itself of the samurai yes. with all the armor, it's kick ass, man. I just wish it was better. Pretty cool. Um, because I love the idea of, like, a ghost hand of a samurai stabbing someone. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and so we have a few kills there. We have the neighbor, Christy, and then her husband, Paul, who was the slob on the waterbed. He gets killed. And I'm going to put this as my favorite kill of the movie. Just because, even though it's off camera, it kind of has this, like, zoom in on him and he's all bloody. And uh, That's right. Wasn't he, like, laying by the door? I thought that was nice. Wasn't he, like, laying by the door? Yeah, he's, like, laying halfway through the door. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I I like a good throat slash. That's why the the Uncle Pete death is my favorite, because I just like like a good throat slash. It's classic. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one, too. But, um, yeah, then from there we kind of go into these, like, um, we have... That's kind of the last, like, crazy kill. We have these... Three guys later who get killed by a campfire by the samurai ghost. Um, eventually, Gary, the boyfriend of the mother, kind of kills the samurai with an axe. That's the scene, right? And, where they're, uh, they're, he's, they're waiting for him to show up, and then he, he comes out yeah. and swings and nails him right in the, the neck. Um, which, uh, and I have to yeah. explain, the actual kill itself isn't nearly as cool as it should be, you know? Like... Uh, no, it's like he literally hits a pile of armor. Yeah, and I thought he was using like a shovel. Like I didn't realize he was even using an axe because an axe would make it look way cooler than it actually yeah. was. Um, and like, what pissed yeah. me off about this movie is that you have a ghost samurai, which like, inherently is badass. Although he has a katana, which is again amazing. Um, but he doesn't like I, two katanas. Katuka even better. Twice the katanas. Um, like if if you're gonna have a weapon like that, you better sever some some body parts i want to see arms cut off i want to see legs yeah. cut off it doesn't really happen that way in this movie which is just such a missed opportunity for me and i know the budget no. is about 14 dollars tops but like i don't know i we've seen movies like this where they can really stretch a dollar for the budget for the special effects and all that so i would have liked to see a lot yeah. more severing and uh, decapitations you know i agree um but before we get into the last couple kills, because um, we're going to kind of explain them in my fan theory coming up here. But yeah, baby. Uh, what are some other, I guess, we've pretty much covered all of the what the fucks of this movie. Uh, the waterbed, uh, the pants situation with Sally not wearing any. Uh, the tea tray. We'll get into the samurai voice. Oh yeah, yeah the tea I tray meant to, on the waterbed. I meant to mention the voice, but one other one that that goes into both the bad and the what the fuck. Meaning, like, how the hell do they allow this? Was how bad the sound quality was. Good God, man! 
I know it's it's a low budget movie, but like, and I I've seen a lot of you know a lot of things on these movies where like, yeah, cinematography and visual, you know, that's what you want, but the sound is way more important because if you look at a picture, if you look at like a video, you know, and then the quality of the video is bad. It's not nearly as bad as if the audio is bad. Um, so if you're gonna be yeah. making a movie like this, it would it would be nice to try with the sound. Um, but it didn't work out too well here, which is kind of yeah. shocking to me, but that's yeah. what you get with this well, movie. Well, yeah, and I actually looked into this too, and this movie was put out, I think, in like 2017 or so by um, Vinegar Syndrome, who's been doing a lot of like cult re-releases on Blu-ray and stuff. And the when they went to redo this and transfer it and everything there was like super super mold damage to it Mm, which i guess affected a lot of the audio um i don't know so i I don't know if it was much better in like the original run i can't imagine it was no i mean i I wouldn't put it past yeah it was it was no yeah i don't think it was much better um, and it is a few times in the movie, too, where, like, you can see, like, the quality greatly drop in the film, um, where it almost looks like just, like, a test footage or, like, a behind-the-scenes footage. Yeah, I did uh, notice that. That's also, I think, probably due to the... Yeah, that's got to be due to the them trying to get the most complete version out. But in order to do so, they had to put some, like, really moldy uh, scenes in. So, uh but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that's. Are, are we calling this an up Christmas movie, Steve? I mean, this barely quality. I mean, only because they like mention it. I think at like, at least once. I mean, yeah. if I would, I would barely call this a Christmas movie. I mean, it's it's at least like a holiday. No, I'm not going to consider this a Christmas movie. Yeah, I don't think I am either. I mean, I'm going to consider it. Like all the movies I mentioned earlier are much more Christmas movies than this movie. Sure. Because those movies have... I'm going to say, like, for a true Christmas movie, like, you need to have Christmas be part of the plot. Like, like, uh, like Die Hard. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of the plot. Christmas Party. Jingle All the Way. Uh, the Jingle ones. All the Way, yeah. Uh, and then even, like, um, like, Batman Returns, I'm going to say big part of the plot because you know penguins making a lot of uh his you know penguin terrorist attacks during holiday parades and during tree lightings right um but then i'm gonna say like movies like uh you know like i mentioned earlier like trancers where there's just like a santa claus scene i'm gonna say that's more like an alternative christmas movie i'm gonna say like stanley kubrick's eyes wide shut alternative christmas movie sure well, like a lot, and I'm gonna put this in that same category. This this kind of all just just kind of goes into the whole stupid weird fad that film Twitter and film people do, where they try to like they desperately try to make other movies into a Christmas movie. Um, yeah, you know, like I go like, oh, diehards. Like I'm like, dude, I don't give a shit. You know, I doesn't who cares? It doesn't matter. That, but that's me being a pessimist. But like, a lot of people are just trying so hard to try to pin random movies that you wouldn't think were actually Christmas movies, and oh, actually, yeah, they really are. Um, yeah. and I just, I'm over that, but so this one, I would not consider it a Christmas movie. Um, like you said, I think it's more all Christmas. It's, it's more, it's Christmas adjacent, right? Like it just has, yeah. that, there's a hints of it, but it's not like, it's not part of the plot. Like I like how you explain that. No. 
kind of like like another movie we covered was uh, Deep Red. You know, Deep Red's another one we've actually covered on the show where the very beginning of that scene is that kid killing like I think his dad on Christmas. Mm, right. But I mean, there's no other Christmas in the movie, so like, is Deep Red a Christmas movie? No, I don't think so. But it's a, uh, you know, because I mean, th- let's be honest, you can have Christmas in a lot of. You can have Christmas in a movie and not be a Christmas movie. Right. It's all about how it leads Creed to the plot. Um, I would love to hear uh, this theory. I mean, I really want to get okay. into it. I think we've talked right. a lot about this movie. It's not good. Um, it's made no. poorly. A lot of squandered, good, potentially good ideas. Um, there's not even, like, a real cutie for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know yeah. it's even hard for me. I mean, there's nudity, which is great, cool, and all that. I mean, this is, like, I, this would be a Blade Job approved movie, I guess, but, like, it's not. So you are going to say it's a Blade Job approved movie? I mean, it depends. I was kind of on that fence. But... I mean, I yeah, I guess I could say I'm on the fence. But I mean, it's all about like you know what is a Blade Job approved movie. There is blood, there's True. gore, there's nudity. Therefore, technically, you could consider it a Blade Job approved movie. But like okay. from what I've seen for our next movie in two weeks from now, um, mm-hmm. that one is way more approved already. Even the twenty minutes that I saw, so I'm excited. To so actually... that one's a shoe in. This is more like on the cusp, but it's it, we're giving we're, it's making the cut. Every, every move, every part, and everything about this movie is like on the fence. Off, you know, it's like it's close mm-hmm. but not quite there. Um, so I'm gonna say that. Okay. All right. Well, you want to know what really happened? <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about you break? How about you open up Pandora's box, break down some walls? Okay. So let's, let's talk about this. Or are you talking? So and I this listen? is this is what I think is happening in the movie. Um, I'm thinking that the mother, she is, uh, she's clearly single. Well, she's d- um, dating the she's or, dating him. It's not married. I mean, maybe the, her right. refusal to marry him is plays part of it that he doesn't know about, but she does. But she has children, so she has like assumingly either an estranged or dead husband. Well, because she said, she said, I'm not doing that again. Like, she's clearly been right. married before and did not go out in her favor. We don't know why, but that's the point. So I'm, so this is what I'm thinking. So this is like the 80s. So we're about, you know, 40 years removed from World War II, give or take. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, um, that she's probably wasn't married to, like, uh, like anybody in World War Two, but I'm thinking for somehow, and this is this is due to the flashbacks in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that her dad dropped the bomb on Japan. Okay, okay. all right. I'm <laughs> the in. mother's father. I'm in. So she, his, her father, drops the bomb on Japan. Yanola Gay, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. That's a play anyway. He drops the bomb, and because of that, her family is now haunted by this samurai soldier from like haunted japan past i was gonna say never mind the fact um, that this samurai is like it's like 800 years you know yeah. past but okay okay now you're probably thinking why does the samurai uh you know what is up with like the sexual connection to the samurai i was thinking that right okay so Enlighten so the me. samurai i'm thinking like so this lady, we're living in a world in this movie where, like, obviously people are, like, telekinesis. There's, like, a telepathic kind of uh, power, psychic power For some kind reason, of aspect. yeah. For some reason. And it's seemingly, like, a lot of people have it. Because 
assumingly Sarah, the girlfriend of, of, of Ted, the son of the mother, has it without knowing it. So I'm thinking that there is this, like, uh, the mother finds out through being married to her first husband that for some reason the samurai ghost, like, uh, he's, like, like, sex, like, powers him somehow. Okay. So I think in my head, this is what I'm thinking. She divorces her first husband, or or he dies, or something. Like I'm, I'm thinking that they had sex and made kids, obviously. <laughs> okay. But I think that that made the samurai go on maybe a previous like killing spree, because you hear the kids throughout the film being like, "Mom, it's happening again. Mom's right." So I think like now that when we get this Sarah character introduced, and she's like. The mom is looking at her son, being like, "Oh no, he's gonna have sex now." And, <laughs> Those damn and, teenagers! Uh, it, it's gonna, it's gonna maybe awaken the samurai. So, what happens is that the samurai is also connecting. He, he, not only is he, he not only is um, like doing this with the mother but he finds out that like the sarah character is also like telekinetically charged up Mm -hmm. so he starts using her as like a conduit for his power okay so okay so she's the conduit through which he's able to tap into our world okay yeah so i'm thinking that and the other reason i'm thinking this too is because at one point Gary, who is the mother's boyfriend, is complaining because she never has sex with him. Ah, okay. So I'm thinking that, that this, like, this sex connection is like this, like, you know, that's why the mother doesn't ever have sex because she doesn't want to charge up the samurai. So the samurai is like the ultimate spiritual cock block, huh? Kind of, yeah. And then so, uh, you know, Sarah comes in and she's. Uh, all horny and shit and you know it's just like really charging up the samurai's power (laughs) really filling him up (laughs) yeah and then once he's once the samurai is actually like the energy is like cut out like it's not really cut out because when they hit him with the axe like the armor just falls Mm -hmm. but then when the uh Sarah puts on the armor. So this is actually the end of the movie. Now now I'm spoiling the end of the movie where Sarah puts on the armor and becomes the super samurai. Um, that is where I think, like, now the samurai has... This is like the samurai ghost has wanted the whole time. Sure. Like, it wants the sex energy put onto the person with the armor. So now it's like a super samurai. But... Oh, because, too, the, the samurai then kills... Uh, Kathy and Gary, like, so the samurai is not super powered, but the samurai didn't expect that Ted, who is Sarah's boyfriend, and Dolly, the sister with no pants, is also telepathic. So they end up killing the samurai uh, for good. And is that does any of that make sense? Sort of. I, and I should mention that you did just kind of casually mention the fact that she dons the armor and becomes not nearly as cool as it yeah. sounds. It's a cool idea. It doesn't the execution yeah, it's like cool. everything else isn't nearly as cool. But that is when we see some of the coolest samurai shots. For sure, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, I get, so I know that there are simple scenes or shots where, um, what's the mother's name again? I'm sorry. Kathy. Kathy, yeah, yeah. When she, she claims, seems to, like, put, like, cuffs and stuff to cover up pictures of the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure that out. And, like, you can have sex without being married. You can have, so, like, I guess, but that's, I guess, why is this guy trying to, like, wipe this, this lady up if they won't even boink right that's a whole other conversation yeah i guess i don't know i mean i think that they're just you know i I don't know but i'm thinking that that is why the samurai i'm thinking the samurai gets some sex power so you think that the samurai basically is just a manifestation of the the victims of of uh of uh Mm -hmm. the the bomb the of the okay hiroshima yeah I, that's that's what I'm. That, that's probably the biggest stretch of the movie in my mind because they don't explain why the samurai's there at all, other than a World War II flashback. This is why I like um, writer directors because this movie is all from the mind of this guy, for better or worse. You know, I mean. Now there could be another theory where maybe the estranged father was the samurai. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah, know. <laughs> I, I I like your idea, your original idea, the more though. That's uh, yeah. I mean, so we'll never know. For, for anybody wanting to hear that back, it's that the samurai was killed in World War II. He haunts a rural, apparently deer hunting community, and mainly targets this woman whose father dropped the bomb on Japan. And anytime she has sex, or you know. Anybody who's telepathic has sex. It charges up the samurai, and the mother is abstaining from that, obviously. But then a new, you know, nubile uh, hottie comes to town, and the samurai starts running wild. Literally, okay, yeah. Until he's until he's killed by the telepathic children, which he was not aware of. <laughs> he, he didn't. He so... didn't scout the place properly enough. You know? <laughs> that's that's, that's my joint. fan theory. Yeah, I mean, it's more than I can do, so. You know, so whenever they decide it. to release the, the you know, Ultra 4K version, you know, you can Director's feel free cut. to, you know, hit me up for the commentary. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, I, it would, yeah, oh yeah, all right. Yeah, like when the Criterion Collection interviews this guy <laughs> on the movie. Yes. They talk about it for the big essay in the booklet and the, the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. I'll write the foreword. Perfect. I would like that. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's this movie. You know, it's uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I, like I said, if you like poltergeist kind of telepathic family dramas with a slasher twist and uh, kind of, I'm going to call them so bad they're good to an extent. Uh, like uh, you, so, you can special effects. Want. I mean, <laughs> I don't think they're good. I just think they're bad. Um, I mean, if you like those kinds of movies, and try it out. I mean, if you want to see a yeah. movie that's like those things but not nearly as good, then by all means, hey. Um, if you're looking for probably the most bizarre Christmas-adjacent movie you can find this year, check this one out. That's fair. I don't know if you'll find something more bizarre than this, so. Yeah, I mean, if you if, if you want to see a, a, an idea of these weird special effects being used properly, seek out House, which is actually much easier to find. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's out. Or Hellraiser. Or Hellraiser. In fact, House is on the Criterion Collection, so you know it's good. That's a fact. Um, Eric, this is the last show of 2021, or 2020. See how fast yeah, I'm trying God. to get into 2021? <laughs> Forget that shit already. Um, yeah, here's, here's a fun fact. When I was signing my lease for my new apartment, I put 2019. I was like, why? Why did I... <laughs> For the date, I'm like, I we are well into the, you know, who knows, whatever. 
Um, yeah. It's going to be a good year, 2021. I mean, in the world, who knows? But for Blade Job, yes. Yeah, we'll have some new stuff coming at you. Uh, we'll hopefully get some we'll new guests, get, you know. Yeah, we'll probably be back in person at some point. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's the idea. Doing it, which will be nice. I'm seeing a lot of fr- friends um, of mine in the uh, medical industry getting vaccinated, which is cool. Yeah. Kind of jealous, you know. They're all like, I got my vaccination. Uh-huh. I'm like, cool, I still fear for my life. Kind of, not really, but you know, you get the idea. So... Uh, I guess we'll be back for 2021. Um, I mean, this now that I've seen the first 20 minutes of our next movie, this whole yeah. conversation, I'm like, oh man, I just wish we were doing the next one. So it'll be fun. I, I hope. I assuming that the rest of the movie is as good as the first 20 minutes. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's an Italian movie, and it's been posted to the Blade Job Instagram account before because I have a vhs copy of it oh, so for like vh all September. you little oh yeah all you sleuths out there can go and try and figure it out but uh yeah that's what we're covering next it's gonna be fun um it's yeah it, it's it's definitely got a lot more linear storytelling than this movie although it is very confusing and uh it's you know We'll get into that next. Much week. more blade job approved, though, from what I've seen. No so samurai, far. though. Again, amazing I don't know if we'll ever idea. cover another samurai movie. I don't know if we'll ever cover another samurai movie. So, ghost samurai, amazing idea. Execution in this yes. movie, not not seen properly, not you know realized. Could this could this movie get you know maybe get uh, like? Can you imagine this, Steve, getting like the like an A twenty four reboot? <laughs> uh, you know, give it to some Osgood you know, Perkins. God, God who it. knows? You know, some just bizarre French Canadian director who's just done like, you know, one short film. You know, have him reboot, but Bloodbeat. Dude, Quentin Depio. That he's the guy who did Rubber. There you go. Let him do it. Maybe he needs to do Bloodbeat. There you go. And with that, um, I think we can wrap this up, buddy. I get to go to my parents' place and eat one of my all-time favorite meals, lasagna. Wow. So, think, think about that when you're trying to sleep at night. I, get I made lasagna roll-ups this week, and Woo! they're pretty good. Mercy me. Yeah. All right, now we're talking. Yeah. I'm very excited about so. that, so I have to go shower. I haven't done that yet, so. Well, have a nice holiday, everybody. You have a nice Christmas, Steve. Thank you very much, Sam. And a nice you. new year, and we'll be talking to you guys next year. I, and, uh, I saw a best friend of the show, Cassie, back there, snuggling other best friend of the show, Sheila. I yeah. saw her back there. Sheila's got some Christmas gifts wrapped. Oh, man. My girl. All right. All right. Talk to you guys uh, next year. Next year. Let's get 2020 behind us. Hopefully get a better 2021. All right. Later. Bye-bye. A ghost. A ghost. A devil. A devil. A poltergeist. Call it what you will. What you will. With fears, with fear, as it kills, as it kills, as mutilates, mutilates anyone in its anyone in its power. Blood beat, blood beat.